0: As Pastor Aaron mentioned in Lamentations chapter three, the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah laments the destruction of his beloved Jerusalem. He laments over the sinfulness of the people and the suffering that has resulted from it. But then in verse 21, it's like there is a distinct turning from despair to hope in god and what i'd like us to do this morning is read lamentations chapter 3 verses 21 through 23 out loud together out loud together so here we go yet this i call to mind and therefore i have hope because of the lord's great love we are not consumed for his compassions never fail they are new every morning great is your faithfulness This morning in our series, um, Who is God? We're we're looking at the topic of faithfulness. God is faithful. And um, he longs for us to see this way. He longs for us to see him as one who is greatly, unfathomably faithful. He is reliable always and forever. There is no shifting in God. There is no sifting like the sand. He is 100%, 100% dependable. And I want to salt the oats before I get into the talk on God's faithfulness a little bit this morning. I want to talk on why does it matter that God is faithful? Why is it important for us to see him as the faithful one? Because what you hope in matters tremendously. And we're to hope in the faithfulness of God. And if we don't have an understanding of the faithfulness of God, then our hope's gonna be amiss. But also, we have to understand that we hope in something. Everybody hopes in something. So just follow with me for a few moments as I, as I kinda salt the oats for the message today. Everyone, everyone depends on something or someone. Everybody does that. All human beings depend on someone or something to keep them going. And that source for a lot of people is themselves, which is a tremendously scary thing. Now, get this. When that something or someone is coming through for you, you experience optimism. People find hope in all kinds of sources, sports, family, Money, ability, looks, and when things are going well and you talk to such a person, you you might ask them, how's life? And they'll say, life is good, right? Because things are going well, there's hope. But here's a hitch, sports, family, money, ability, looks, they're not dependable. And when they don't come through, then this second thing happens. When that something or someone fails you, you experience despair, despair. Misplaced hope can vanish in a heartbeat. An injury can wreck a sports career. A downturn in the economy can destroy you financially. A family member can fail you. A biopsy report can come back positive and change your life drastically. If you're hoping in these kinds of things, sooner or later, they will let you down and you'll experience despair. And we often hope in such things without thinking it through. Is what you're hoping in this morning reliable, 100% dependable, you can stake your life on it. Chip Ingram in his book, God as He Longs for You to See Him, says the following, someone has said that hope It's the oxygen of the soul. We can live for weeks without food. We can live for days without water. But we can only live for minutes without oxygen. If hope is oxygen for the soul, we can't live long without it. When what we're really hoping in is gone, we die. Most of us don't like to think about what we're depending on because when we do, we usually have to admit our hopes are temporary and less than reliable. The instability of everything around us makes us anxious. Wouldn't it make sense if possible to find something or someone that would always come through for us in any situation? That would be a great deal. The question is, where do you find that kind of person or that kind of hope? What do you do when uh, what do you do when it seems like life isn't worth living? When whatever is holding you up suddenly gets pulled out from under you? Jeremiah had an answer. He left us written proof of how bad things got, yet also how hope prevailed. If we wanna face life with that kind of honesty and hope that we find in Jeremiah, then like him, we've got to discover the faithfulness of God. I love Chip's analogy. In fact, I love it so much as in your note-taking guide. Hope to the soul is like oxygen to the body. You can't survive long without it. So it's essential that you build your hope on something dependable, something sustainable you can't survive long without hope. I mean, you can live life without hope, but it'll be sickly. It'll be anemic. It'll be just an existence kind of thing. So here's our big thought this morning. Here's our big thought this morning. It is critical to build your hope on God's faithfulness. He is 100% reliable. He is 100% reliable. Jeremiah spent the first 20 chapters of Lamentations 3 talking about the difficulties he was facing. And he begins the chapter saying, I am the man who has seen afflictions. And it gets more despairing after that. But in spite of those difficulties, in spite of those difficulties, because he's anchored in God's faithfulness, he has oxygen for the soul. He has hope. Now get this then. Difficulties are like a litmus test. Difficulties are a litmus test of the reliability of your source of hope. They reveal to you if that source is good or bad. Do you remember what a litmus test is? We all had this in high school chemistry, right? You put that little piece of paper into a solution and it tells you, by the color it turns, the pH of that solution, whether it's, you know, acidic or, or um, you know, alkaline or whatever, you know, it tells you the different kinds of pHs. Do you remember that? Okay, good, because I'm thinking this is pretty simple stuff. It's back there showing you a little graphic of it. Um, and, and, and so, difficulties become, for us as followers of Christ, it becomes, for us, kind of an indicator of where are we placing our hope? If we're placing our hope in things that are of human um, origin, then, then when difficult things happen, guess what? That's a misplaced hope. The only thing that's a sure placement of your hope this morning is in the faithfulness of God. So let's begin to look at faithfulness now for a few moments. What does that mean? And how has God shown it to us? Faithfulness defined is, is, is this. God is dependable, trustworthy, loyal, staunch, resolute, constant, reliable, true to his word, always and forever. Always and forever, God's faithful to his word. Always and forever, he's faithful to his promises. Always and forever, he's faithful to his people. Always and forever, he's faithful to his character. He can't do otherwise, and you can depend on him 100% 100% of the time. Now he may not do what you want him to do, but you're wrong. He's not wrong. He may not orchestrate circumstances like you elect him orchestrated, but he knows more than you. Because he is 100% always forever dependable, amen? Amen? You should be shouting and twirling in the pews right now. Our God is faithful, always, and forever. Now, he's manifested that faithfulness to us in several ways, and I wanna just walk through some of those ways with you uh, this morning. Uh, God's faithfulness is manifested by an enduring creation, an enduring creation. Listen to Psalm 119, verse 90. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth, and it what? It endures. The regularity, the consistency of creation manifests God's faithfulness. The the, the earth goes around the sun precisely all the time. Day comes, night comes, all the time. Seasons change all the time. Creation demonstrates the faithfulness of God. We're just so used to it, we never see it. It becomes mundane and normal in, in the background to us. Lately, I've been forcing myself to see it, to, to recognize that this is a demonstration of the faithfulness of God. About a week ago, I spent a week at our lake place in northern Minnesota. And every night, the sun sets there. It is gorgeous. In fact, we have a picture. That's actually a picture of it, of the sun setting over the lake that we have our place on. And I look at that and I think to myself, God, you are so faithful. Every day there's a rhythm. Every year there's a rhythm. Seasons come and go. Until you say it's done, it is not done. Creation endures until you say, now it's time for a new earth and a new heaven, and I find great assurance in that, I find great comfort in that. I don't care what everyone's telling me around, that, that all the stuff that's going on all the time, and all this scary stuff that people are saying, you are in control of it, you are in control of your creation, and every day will come and go as you ordain until your time of a new earth and a new heaven, amen? Because God's faithful, and creation demonstrates it because it's enduring. God's faithfulness is manifested by his dealings with people, by his dealings with people. This is clearly seen in his interaction with the Old Testament great Abraham. God said to him in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Has this come true? Absolutely, every bit of it. Abraham's name is great. He's in Hebrews chapter 11. That's one of the Hall of Fame greats. Have nations come from Abraham? Absolutely. Have all people been blessed because of Abraham? Yes, because through the lineage of Abraham, Jesus Christ came and all people have been blessed. See, God's dealings with people manifest his faithfulness. I want you to take just a a few seconds look at your note ticking guide or look at the overhead behind me and in your head do the exercise if you if you don't want to do it on paper list some of the ways god has been faithful to you how has god been faithful to you as a person how has he made that faithfulness known to you we don't do this exercise enough sometimes when i sit down you can write while i talk if something comes up, that's all right. Just, just write it down. Do, do a little personal reflection here. Oftentimes I marvel at God's faithfulness that I have such a, 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 a good wife and a great family. I go, wow, God. Now you can call that blessings or faithfulness, whatever le- language you want to use, but God's faithful. Sometimes I think, God, you're just so faithful because I breathe and I live. That's just marvelous, and this body is marvelous. How did you ever come up with this? Because you're faithful. And sometimes in a, a beautiful warm day when the sun's beating down and I just look up and I just feel the warmth and presence of God. You know what I mean? It's just God is there and he's just so faithful. God's faithful. He's come through multiple times when I've had difficulties in my life, when I've been ill. I've seen the faithfulness of God. When we've had hard times, I've seen the faithfulness of God. Do you ever write that stuff down? Because if you don't write that kind of stuff down, you tend to focus on problems and anx- anxieties and things. And that begins to dictate you, instead of the faithfulness of God, God's a sure anchor, a sure hope. He's faithful. Do you see him as faithful? Have you noted how he's faithful? Make it an exercise. Do it. Let's move on. God's faithfulness is manifested by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, as his ministry on this planet was winding down, gave this promise in John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Do you know how many times I pray that when I'm facing difficulties? God, you've promised you will not leave me as an orphan. You'll not leave me as an orphan you will give me the power of the holy spirit and he says i will come to you and then we see that New Testament church, that little baby church taking its first little steps, you know, and they're praying, they're seeking the Lord, and then the blessing of what Jesus promised here comes to reality, and the Holy Spirit comes upon that little gathering like a mighty rushing wind, and they have flames uh, of fire lit upon them, and they begin to have the ability to go out and testify in other languages to the people that were visiting on that day of Pentecost in, in their native tongue, and it was just a marvelous birthing of the church, and God continue to do that from that point on when you become a believer of Jesus Christ. He fills you with the Holy Spirit because he is a faithful God. And he knows we can't do this Christian experience on our own. We don't have the ability, we don't have the strength, and we don't have the character to do it on our own. And he fills us with his Holy Spirit so that we can truly become sons and daughters of the living Lord. Is that a cool or what? Because God is faithful. He does what he says he will do. God's faithfulness is manifested to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You know what I pray frequently? Oh God, anoint Grace Point to be a church of people filled with your Holy Spirit, governed by the fruit of the Spirit, led by your Holy Spirit, that we become salt and light to a world desperately lost. You know what? God will answer that prayer because he's faithful, amen? He'll answer that prayer because he's faithful. God's faithfulness is manifested by his utter trustworthiness and unwavering steadfastness. In Numbers chapter 23, a real strange interaction takes place. I love the Bible because it has some of the strangest stories in it ever. And so the Israelites Israelites are on the move. They're taking the promised land, and they come upon the plains of Moab. And we're told that this alarmed the, the king of Moab. His name was Balak. So Balak decides to hire a prophet, Balaam, to come and curse the people of Israel. The trouble is, God says to Balaam, you can't curse them, you can only bless them. And so this begins a strange interaction where, where Balak is trying to get Balaam to curse the people, and Balaam keeps blessing them because that's all God would allow him to do is to bless them. And Balak thinks, well, if we change location or change methodology, maybe then you can curse them. And he keeps trying all these different ways, and Balaam keeps blessing the people of Israel. And I love what, what, what Balaam says to Balak in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. Listen to this. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? <laughs> Balaam is saying, "Is I can't do anything but what God tells me to do here, and God's blessing this people, and so I have to bless this people." God always does what He says He will do. What, what He says He will do, He is 100% reliable. He is utterly trustworthy and unwaveringly steadfast. God's faithfulness is manifested by his perfect track record. Listen to Isaiah chapter 55. I'm going to read verses 10 through 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So my word that goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. In other words, God's Bible is a lengthy demonstration of God's faithfulness to his people. God says to Abraham, you're going to have a son in your old age. What happened? Abraham had a son in his old age. God is faithful. He has a perfect track record. God promised the Messiah would come through the line of David, be born in Bethlehem, be a man of sorrow and suffering, a light to the Gentiles, a stumbling block to the Jews, and hundreds of others' uh, prophecies uh, concerning Jesus Christ. Everyone came true. God is faithful. He has a perfect track record. Jesus promised that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we would not be left as orphans. I talked about this, that God would pour out his Spirit uh, in our times. God has done that because God is faithful. He has a perfect track record. Jesus promised that his church would prevail, um, that it would storm the gates of hell, that that it would change, you know, history. And the church continues to do that because God is faithful. He has a perfect track record. Do you get this? God is faithful. And it's manifested to us in so many different ways. And what I want to do here as we close out the message this morning is I want to get real personal with you. Because it's one thing to know about God's faithfulness here, but where does it need to land? Here. It needs to become something that you anchor your soul on, that your heart's steadfast on. What do you do with a God who's so faithful? What does that uh, cause in you? What what should it cause in you? I I love this quote by Ruth uh, Siemens. Uh, She was uh, the Goal Missions founder. Listen to what she says. Faithfulness in our present assignment is always the best educator for our next ministry. The Lord's call is never to geography or task, but to be with him and to be sent wherever and however he chooses, his agenda not ours. She's getting at the essence of what do you do with a faithful God? You are faithful. That's what you do with a faithful God. You go by his agenda, not your agenda. You abide in him, it doesn't matter what you're doing, it doesn't matter where you are, it matters who you're with, amen? And we're with the living Jesus Christ, the faithful one. And so therefore, that changes every dynamic of our life. And I wanna give you some examples here. They may not be the examples you would uh, think of right away, but I wanna give you some examples of what it means then to abide in a faithful God and to live a faithful response to that. Be confident in God's faithfulness when you are weak then. When you're weak, be confident in God's faithfulness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul makes it known that I have a thorn in the flesh. I prayed for it three times, but God didn't deliver me from that thorn in my flesh. Instead, he said, my power is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. And you've got to get the dynamic of all this. Here, you're talking about the Apostle Paul, the great one. He was a student of, of Gamaliel, and he was a great Pharisee. He was uh, one who got anointed and penned 13 uh, letters in the New Testament. You know, this is a big dog here when it comes to the, you know, starting up of Christianity. And he prays to God. He said, man, I want you to remove the thorn of my flesh three times. And God says, no. My grace is sufficient for me. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul wasn't gonna be delivered from the thorn, he was gonna to learn to live through the thorn. I'm not saying storm, I'm saying thorn, okay, on purpose. It, Paul wasn't gonna get out of it, he was gonna learn how to rely on God in it. And I don't think Paul just hung in there by the fingertips. I don't think he said, oh, I'm just gonna hang in there with you, God. Then I'll i just hang in there with you, it's just by my fingertips. God just doesn't hang in there. Sometimes I ask people, how are you doing? They say, well, hanging in there. I know what you mean, but we never hang in there with Jesus Christ, because in Christ, we're more than conquerors, amen? And so when Paul says, when I'm weak, he is strong, he's not saying, and your weakness, hang in there! No, it's depend on someone who is much stronger than you. Anybody watch American Ninja Warrior? A little bit of abrupt change. It's this show about these guys running through these really, really severe optic uh, obstacles. And half of them are over water, so if you fall, you don't kill yourself. And a lot of them are what I would call hanging obstacles. you got to have a lot of grip strength, a lot of grip strength. And so, you know, they're, 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 they're hanging in there, and I always go, when they're about ready to fall, I love it. Because you see the person's countenance change, and they're shaking, and they're just like on the fingertips, I go, he's going down, or she's going down, and pretty soon, splash. They can't do it. They can't just hang in there. They don't have the finger strength. Listen, when Paul says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong, he is not given the picture of me like that, hanging there. That's not what he's talking about. He has decidedly gone from being weak in himself to reliance upon the strength of Jesus Christ, the faithful one. Here's how this work, has worked in my own life, and I'll just get kind of personal with you uh, uh, for a moment here. When I was a young person, real young, I mean, when I was a little toddler, um, I had a hearing problem, I couldn't hear. And so they didn't discover this until I was about three years old. And then it was just a earwax problem and some other things that they, it was mechanical and they could fix it. Unfortunately, what had happened to me was I wasn't speaking yet. As a three year old plus little toddler. And I remember when I first got it all fixed, uh, I remember this vividly. I was at home, It was in the wintertime. time, And I had never heard the furnace run, and I was scared to death. I still remember running into my mom and dad's room saying, what's that noise? You know, I couldn't speak. But, you know, I didn't know what that noise was. It was scaring me like crazy, and I ran in there, and I remember my mom picking me up and saying, honey, that's just the furnace. It's just the furnace. I had no idea what that noise was. And this began a a long period in my life of, of going to speech therapy, and I was in special special ed classes, until I was like in fifth grade, taking speech. I remember when I could say sandwich, that was like a big moment. I could not say sandwich. And uh, when, we, when I finally learned how to say it, I could say, I would like a sandwich now, you know? And it was just such a big moment, and I, I just had so I, these speech problems. So guess what? It was a weakness in my life, right? And so you know what I did the next several uh, years in my educational experience all the way through college? avoided anything to do with speech. I didn't take the speech classes. I didn't like to stand up and do any kind of oral reporting. I I was, I just hated it. Hated it with a passion. And so in, when I got into high school, I took physics, I took all the college physics and calculus and all that, and someone said, aren't you going to take college English? "Uh Uh-uh. They make you do speech in there. I'm not doing that. I'm not standing up in front of anybody embarrassing myself like that, you know? And so this went on for quite a while. Well, then God calls me into ministry, right? <laughs> and I remember sitting down with Pastor Tim, I'm getting real close to finishing up all this ministry stuff, and he wants to hire me. And I said, can I do this preaching thing without preaching? Logical question, right? I don't really wanna preach. I really don't feel like I, I, that's a strength of mine. I think those were my exact words. And he goes, well, that might be difficult. We'll see. So then, you know, I began to do this ministry thing and about the second message I gave, I remember really distinctly because it just was terrible. And it was here at this church, it was an evening service on a Sunday night. And um, the testimony that night went really long. And and, and, uh, then I was supposed to do this like 30 minute message and I had 10 minutes. Back then we worried about time I don't worry about that anymore, guys. Just letting you know. I only worry about time because we have another couple hour, another hour coming up. But at any rate, so I got up and I just blew the thing tremendously. And I remember going home that night and thinking, oh, God, I made a mistake. I should have stayed at 3 a.m. Now, this preaching thing is going to kill me. And I had an epiphany moment. I really had an epiphany moment in my life. God said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. When will you give this to me? And I prayed that, and that I can distinctly remember I said, God, this is not about me. This is about you, isn't it? He said, absolutely. And at that point on, I decided, you know, God, I am never, ever going to be worried about this speech thing again because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. My weakness is strong in you, Christ Jesus. And it changed it forever for me as a person. God shows himself strong in our weaknesses. We all have weaknesses. But what we do is what I did. We manage them. We try to manage our image. We try to hide them. And what the Lord Jesus is saying is give it to me and trust me. Amen? Give it to me and trust me because in our weakness, God is strong. All right. Be confident in God's faithfulness when you are tempted. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is what? Faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So we're living in this culture of temptation right now. It's all around us. There's constant temptation um, in lustful thinking. There's temptation to steal in terms of, of time and, 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 and lots of resources. It, it's, there's a temptation to be critical all the time. There's a temptation to gossip all the time. You, you just fill in the blank. It's all around us, amen. We watch these TV shows that I look at and go, why would we watch anything so disgustingly gross? It's just utter nonsense, Recently, I went fishing with my son, Nate. Uh, He loves to fish, and I love Nate. And so I'm out fishing with him. uh, I don't mind fishing, but I mean, Nate loves to fish. And so what you know what fishing is, is a deception sport. You put a lure on there that's shiny and spinny, and you throw it in the water and say, here, fishy, 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 I hope this fools you. It's deception, 100% deception. I just thought of that on the lake. I thought, "This is all we're doing is deceiving a bunch of poor little fishies. And they bite and you hook them, and they're in your boat. You know what I mean? This is temptation. It's a spinny little lure. It's glittery. And it says, bite me, bite me, bite me. And we bite it, and what happens? We're hooked. And God says, there is no temptation, but what is common. And and what he's doing there is saying, don't go down that line of thinking that leads to deception of thinking, I'm unique. No one else has experienced this. No, everybody else has. And God says, "I'm faithful. I'll give you a way out of that temptation." But if we don't take the way out of that temptation, God is still faithful. Amen. And this brings us to one last point here: be confident in God's faithfulness when you sin, when you sin. And I love First John one nine. I think you should memorize it. I think everybody should memorize it. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so what we have to do when we fail in life is we need to turn to the faithful One, and He'll forgive us. Amen. We have to be honest we have to be open we have to be transparent we have to own up to it and the faithful one will what restore us and forgive us see we don't want to play games with god god's always faithful and our first avenue of response no matter what we're facing in life should be turning to him and i want you to take comfort in one last thought this morning god shows unilateral faithfulness it doesn't matter if we're faithful or not he's always faithful it's part of who he is it's part of his being listen to 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we die with with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. Now listen, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot disown himself. The cadence of this scripture is kind of interesting. The symmetry of the scripture is kind of interesting. You know, if we die in him, What? We'll live in him. If, if we endure, we'll reign with him. If we, if we disown him, he disowns us. There's a rhythm. There's a cadence to this, right? If we're unfaithful, you would expect it to say, he'll be unfaithful. If you follow the symmetry and the rhythm of that scripture, but instead, it's kind of like, you have to read it a couple times. Wait a minute. If we're unfaithful, he's what? Still faithful. Because that's God. He can't disown it. He can't disown himself. It is who he is. And that's a comforting to me. We have this anchor the sure thing for our soul, right? It's God's faithfulness. He means faithful because it is who he is. And that's where we should put our hope, in the faithfulness of God, because that will never disappoint. Amen? Let's pray, and then we're going to sing a song. Would you bow your heads? Lord God, I want to thank you that you're faithful, that you're known as a faithful one, that you can't do anything but be faithful because that's who you are. It's so sure that it's a it's a rock that we can anchor our hope on. And God, uh, we acknowledge today that any other hope placement is misplaced hope. If we trust in ourselves, trust in our abilities, trust in finances, trust in looks, whatever, God, that, that hope is gonna cause us to have despair. But if our hope is anchored in your faithfulness, God, it is a sure hope. It's going to be the hope that Jeremiah experienced even in the midst of that despairing moment of Jerusalem destruction and, and and the suffering of the people of Israel. There was still that hope in your faithfulness, God, because that's who you are. And so I pray for anyone here this day, Lord, who's just resonating with this message right now. Jesus, that you would visit them in a strong way, that you'd feel such a one with your Holy Spirit, that they would anchor their soul firmly on your faithfulness this day, God. You're 100% reliable, always and forever. We love you, Jesus. Pray all these things in your name. Amen.